A lot of them are basically dying of loneliness, isolation. The push by families to loosen the visitor restrictions in long-term care. Plus, last-minute Christmas shopping, but will it be enough to create a happy new year for retailers? And we're seeing um, cancer basically be eliminated in some cases. A revolutionary cancer treatment using the rarest drug in the world that's now made in BC. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us on this Christmas Eve. We begin with the latest COVID-19 numbers in BC and why we need to observe Christmas safely this holiday season. There are 582 new cases, bringing BC's total of confirmed cases to date to 48,609. And sadly, 12 more people have died. That means we have lost 808 people to complications of the virus. 341 people are in hospital, 78 of them are in the ICU. Nearly 38,000 people are considered recovered, leaving us with just under 9,000 active cases and just under 9,700 people in self-isolation. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, how critical is it right now to keep the case numbers low? Yeah, we're going into a very critical two or three week period here, Colleen. Our numbers right now are tracking the right way, trending the right way. But it can all become undone if there's a lot of people gathering improperly at Christmas parties and large events and spreading the virus, even inadvertently. We could right, be right back in a world of trouble in early January. Take a look at some of the, the indicators I'm talking about that tells us things are working. Right now, we're down 200 less cases on a daily average basis since the beginning of the month. The active cases in Fraser Health, the epicenter for our pandemic, are on the decline for the first time in weeks. Our R number, the reproductive number rate, is down below one where it needs to be. And our hospital and ICU cases continue to be stable. Our mortality rate is still unacceptable, but it's declining. We're now, as you mentioned, 12 today. Uh, we were up in the high 20s just a couple weeks ago. So on the eve of uh, the festive season, all the numbers are pointing in the right direction. But it can all become undone very quickly if we suddenly see a spike of cases the first week of January or the second week. And if we do see that, the health order that's currently in place right now will in almost all likelihood and certainty be extended on January 8th. So there's a lot riding on people's behavior over the next week or so. Okay, Keith, another COVID news. NHL put out a statement about the new season with mm -hmm. the Canadian teams playing at home arenas. What have you heard? Yeah, the NHL says that they believe they have a deal with Canadian authorities, but I've been on the phone all day with senior uh, BC government uh, 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 advisors and officials who say they have not heard anything from the NHL. There's been no confirmation given the BC government that there's a deal in the cards here. Of course, the public health officers across the five provinces are in charge here. Alberta's uh, Dr. Hedenshaw has been the lead officer here, but so far nothing's got back to the BC government that would confirm a deal with the NHL. The government's hoping there's a deal that meets the the safety protocols set down by public health, but so far, no official confirmation. All right, let us know if you hear anything. Thanks, Keith. How about? And coming up in a few minutes, Squire Barnes will have more on the NHL situation. Angry families are challenging provincial rules restricting visitors to seniors in long-term care. They say isolating seniors is a human rights violation, and they want things changed. Nadia Stewart has the story. Oh, what fun is to write. 
This is the closest Brenda Howard and her family can get to her mother this Christmas. This is the first time in my lifetime that I've not been with my mom uh, on Christmas. Luckily, she's able to speak, but many, for many, many people, that isn't the case. Howard is part of a group of families lobbying the province to change the rules around long-term care home visits. On Tuesday, they sent a second letter to government, saying there was an inadequate response to their first letter on December 4th. They say the current rules are unclear, dividing families and putting undue stress on aging seniors. Adding practical recommendations have already been made to safely improve visitation rights during the pandemic. I just think this is unconscionable. There are safe ways we can be rapidly tested, we can wear PPE, we can sign a waiver that we're isolating. Whatever they would require of us to see our loved ones is what we will do. If only I could hug my mom now. Natalia Yoon says she fought for months to see her mother, whose condition deteriorated over the course of this year. Yoon argued with care home management that visiting her mother met the BC Centre for Disease Control's definition of essential, paramount to her mother's mental well-being. In Yoon's case, her mother was actively dying. That's when a patient shows signs and symptoms of near death. But when they finally got in to see her... We were there about an hour before... um My mom actually passed away. We were told that she's going to be fine tomorrow, and tomorrow never came for my mom. Yun says actively dying is not listed under the BCCDC criteria for essential visits. In an email, the Ministry of Health says it is committed to making every effort to try and increase the number of visitations that can take place safely, including working with the health authorities and operators to keep residents and staff safe. But no clear timeline is being given. We ran out of time, and I'm hoping that other families won't run out of time. And with a limited number of vaccines available, Yoon worries time is still not on their side. Nadia Stork, Global News. The COVID-19 vaccination program is well underway in Fraser Health. It's expanding from frontline care workers to seniors living in long-term care. Today, 77-year-old Andy Yoon of Abbotsford received his first of two vaccinations. The delivery of vaccines by both Pfizer and Moderna will ramp up in the coming weeks. The vaccine will be available at more locations as the supply increases. More than 8,100 people in B.C. have received the Pfizer vaccine so far. The pandemic has made us think differently about how we live. Now, a team of researchers from Simon Fraser University has come up with a a map of neighborhoods across B.C. The map is designed to help identify areas that may need extra support to manage an outbreak. Paul Johnson explains. How much of a risk is your neighborhood for having cases of COVID-19? So far, there's been few ways to get answers. But now that may be changing in B.C. We wanted to offer a more granular understanding of what's happening throughout the province by looking at the neighborhood level. Valerie Crooks is an SFU geography professor whose expertise is creating spatial models of data, understanding what kinds of things are likely to be going on in a given place based on the information that's available. It's not a new technique, but the pandemic brought an opportunity to do something different with it. You can see side-by-side neighborhoods that actually show different levels of risk. The project is called Mapping COVID-19 Vulnerability and allows anyone in BC to type in their city or town and see how it stacks up for risk. It's calculated by using publicly available information about who lives in a given neighborhood and what kinds of activities are known to happen there. 
For example, one neighborhood that might be very well serviced by public transit may just have by default more public transit users within it because those are people who choose to live there. And we know that particular types of risks exist if we don't follow the public health measures put in place around transit use. Well, many Canadians have been wanting more detailed information about exactly where and how the virus has been spreading. There are limits to what can be released because of privacy laws about health information. This tool doesn't show neighborhood-by-neighborhood case totals, but rather provides a model for how the pandemic may play out in a given place. These maps actually can serve as a tool in supporting future decision-making as well as preventative decision-making. As the vaccine rollout gathers momentum, data like this could help prioritize where to give shots and possibly most important, serve as a guide for people's behavior in their own community. The most important decision makers, actually, in the context of this pandemic are individual British Columbians. Paul Johnson, Global News. Last minute shoppers lined up outside local stores and inside malls today. And like almost everything else this year, the Christmas Eve rush was a little different. Aaron MacArthur has more, including the biggest concern for small businesses. The day before Christmas, and everyone is looking for that last minute something. At Dilly Dally Toys on the Drive, the Christmas push has seen the small retailer beat all of its targets. It's been an amazingly incredible year for us. Um, Obviously very challenging in managing it, but um, it's been our best year ever, so we feel super lucky. Technology has meant for most people, Christmas can be delivered right to the doorstep. Online orders reinventing how the holidays are celebrated. But while people appreciate the convenience, most say they're trying to support local shops where they can. Are you making an effort to support local business? Trying, yeah. I mean, the occasional Amazon order goes in, but... I would say I'm trying to make more of an effort to shop local, but it's it's not full yet. A recent poll done for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says consumers on average are only going to spend a third of their holiday budget at local shops. The small business sector continues to struggle. According to the CFIB, just 63% of small businesses are fully open, and only 31% are seeing sales at or near normal. On top of that, people are buying less. Especially Christmas is smaller, so you can spend a little more on it, like gifts for maybe like half the amount of people. While the mall traffic is brisk, the sidewalks in East Vancouver are busy too. Signs of people spending money. Whether it's enough money to keep the in-person retail sector from drowning is a question that likely won't be answered until the new year. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. IGA is making changes after a story we first brought you last night revealed one of its store's pre-packed food bank donation bags were coming up short. The food donation program is on hold at the grocery chain's West Vancouver store, where the contents of those $10 and $20 brown bags weren't adding up in terms of dollar value or nutritional value. IGA says since Global News brought the issue to light, it immediately took action at the highest level of the company and has conducted a thorough review and investigation. IGA says the independently owned Dundarabe store takes full responsibility for the insufficient items donated and will ensure that going forward, all food donated is essential. IGA is also moving to transparent food bags in all stores, replacing the brown bags used for donations.
Curtis Sagmoen has been charged for assaulting a peace officer. The alleged incident happened on October 29th in Spalamchin. The same day, the neighbors reported a police presence on the Sagmoen property on Salmon River Road. That's the property where the remains of 18-year-old Tracy Jenneru were found in October of 2017, five months after she went missing. No one has been charged with her death and no suspects have been named. On October 21st, police issued a warning to sex trade workers not to go near the Sagmoen River Road area. Last February, Sagmoen was found guilty of assault causing bodily harm in relation to an incident in 2017 involving a sex trade worker. He was sentenced to five months in jail, but was released for time served. Meanwhile, the Genero family is doing what it can to remember Tracy through the gift of giving. It was emotional because of the reason we were doing this. And we knew a lot of people out there really needed the help. So, yeah, they, there was tears. Tracy's grandmother, Darcy Martin, has raised nearly $4,000 for people struggling this holiday season as part of what she's dubbed Tracy's Gift. Martin says with the money raised, she was able to completely fulfill the wish lists of five seniors, three families, and several individuals. Very helpful, very fulfilling, very uh, making my daughter, that I said, helped me along with this. It made both of us feel really, really good to be able to do that, knowing that we were doing that in her honor and knowing that she'd be smiling down on us, knowing, you know, that we were doing this for her. But, oh, I can't even say how fulfilling it was. Martin says she will continue to work with local charities and other families in the hopes of making Tracy's Gift an annual fundraiser. She says helping others in Tracy's memory has also helped the entire family cope with her loss. An update to a story we brought you earlier this week. A suspect has now been arrested in the sexual assault of two youths in South Delta. An 18-year-old man from Delta has been arrested after two boys reported they were sexually touched. It happened on Sunday near South Delta Senior Secondary in Tawasson. The boys were playing on the school grounds when they were approached by a man who grabbed them. Abbotsford police say the hit-and-run driver accused of ruining a local restaurant patio has turned himself in. Last Saturday night, surveillance video captured a vehicle skidding down Montrose Avenue before mounting the curb and smashing into the nine kitchen and lounge patio. Police say the alleged driver contacted them late Wednesday and admitted to causing the crash and damage. He isn't in custody, but he is cooperating with investigators. Well, some might call it a Christmas miracle. Others would credit a lot of luck and some new equipment. They were in a very precarious spot. How an NSR practice run happened to save two hikers. We'll have that story for you in just over a minute. Surrey firefighters battled a fire that broke out at a legal cannabis grow operation this morning. Two of 12 greenhouses in the 1300 block of 176th Street were destroyed by the fire. The area has been closed to traffic for most of the day as firefighters put out the smoke and the flames. No one was hurt and still no word on a cause. Lost, cold, wet, and in the dark, a recipe for disaster in our backcountry, or at least it used to be. Two hikers lost on the North Shore last night are safe and sound tonight, all because of an NSR practice run testing out some new technology. Jennifer Palma explains. Confirmed. 
two subjects. They are uh, in the middle kind of, of a waterfall. It started as a training exercise for a pilot project that quickly became a life-saving rescue. A light low down in Suicide Creek um, that was waving frantically at us and we could see it clear as day. We are getting really cold uh, until the helicopter see us. Otherwise, this could turn really bad. A first for the North Shore rescue team using night vision goggles. The technology spotting the glint of a cell phone's light, pinpointing a pair of hikers in trouble who were only somewhat prepared. We have nowhere to, to go. Uh, can't go up, can't go down. There's a cliff under us and we are sitting in the water. Contacted uh, the RCMP, notified them of the call, and I think it was about an hour later they received a, a missing person report for that the subject that we had already located. Not only was this a historic rescue for the team, it was also a record-breaking one, marking the 146th rescue this year alone. Those guys are really like angels, you know, happening see us and then rescued us right there and they're really fast feel like you know some some something miracle you know is happening to us that this is unbelievable the province approved the team to take part in the pilot project because of the challenging terrain they work in and because of the number of low-light call-outs they handle what a game changer just so excited that you know, search and rescue in British Columbia now has this tool. The province is due to review the data collected during this pilot project and then they'll decide whether or not they will expand it to other search and rescue crews. No doubt though, the success of this training exercise proving how important and crucial this technology is. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Officials in Washington state say the environmental impacts of a crude oil spill stemming from Tuesday's fiery train derailment appear to be limited. Ecology crews are monitoring the scene but have so far found no signs of crude oil flowing into lakes or rivers. The BSNF tra BNSF train derailed in the town of Custer near the Canadian border. Three cars ruptured, spilling an unknown amount of crude and sparking a fire that prompted evacuations. Oil is being pumped out of the stricken cars so they can be cleaned and removed. The cause of the derailment is still under investigation. Coming up next, celebrating Christmas. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house. Royals and celebrities join forces for a good cause this Christmas Eve. And with the Moderna vaccine now in Canada, what's the latest or the fastest way to get all of us vaccinated? Those stories next. The Lionsgate Bridge moving very smoothly north and south. No problems to report. Clearing 176th in Surrey as well between 8th and 16th Avenue. And NORAD reporting that Santa has entered Canada. He's over Newfoundland and Labrador right now. A message from Canadian Blood Services. There's an immediate need for blood. Donor centers remain open throughout the pandemic to provide essential products for patients in need. Book now. Blood.ca. In Global One above the Lionsgate Bridge, I'm Tim Main. Prince Charles and other celebrities joined together to narrate a classic holiday poem. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, Tom Hardy and many more recited a very special version of Twas the Night Before Christmas. The festive reading was an effort to help raise awareness for the Actors Benevolent Fund, supporting people in arts facing hardship, especially during the pandemic. 
It's an American Christmas for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Their digital portrait featuring Harry, Meghan, and their son Archie is based on a photo taken by the Duchess's mother. The card was released in partnership with Mayhew, an animal welfare charity that Meghan is a patron of. In the Prime Minister's Christmas message to Canadians, he acknowledges this holiday season will be difficult, and he's urging people to focus on some positives. We can all agree that 2020 has been a tough year. But through it, we've seen Canadians meet these challenging times with generosity, kindness and hope. So today and into the new year, let's continue to stand together. Let's support folks in need in our communities and let's reach out to our friends and neighbours who may be having a tough time. And more good news tonight on the vaccine front. One day after Health Canada's approval, the first Moderna doses are now on Canadian soil. This was Toronto Pearson Airport today. The government says the Moderna shots will begin arriving in the territories on December 28th. Both the Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech vaccines require two shots. Some regions have decided to reserve half their doses to ensure the first recipients get their second shots on schedule. But now new modeling shows Canada could avoid many more infections if the doses were rolled out uh, to as many people as possible and as fast as possible. A strategy Dr. Bonnie Henry has adopted for BC. Abigail Beeman has more. South Africa has seen 14,000 new coronavirus cases in the past 24 hours and 400 deaths. The health department believes a new variant is behind the surge, different from the UK's new strain. You no longer any sickness that we know it's COVID all the time. Nigeria is now reporting a new strain of its own. In Canada, vaccines are coming. Health Canada approved its second this week. Both require two doses. So what's the best way to roll them out? Two new studies were presented to Ontario's science advisory table this week. Both presentations came to the conclusion that, that front-loading the doses and not reserving uh, some of the installments as second doses would be the more efficient strategy. One study showed withholding fewer doses could prevent between 25 and 40 percent of symptomatic COVID-19 infections compared to reserving half the doses. BC is among the provinces which has said it won't reserve. I have a real challenge um, leaving vaccine in a fridge when there are so many people at risk right now. But Ontario and others have said they will reserve the second doses over supply chain concerns. Ontario's Ministry of Health tells Global News while some people may have good immunity after only one dose, it's not guaranteed and a second dose is necessary. We have enough doses in hand at this point that we could partially protect most of the people in long-term care in Ontario. Dr. David Fisman says vaccines should not sit on shelves, but he wants to be clear a second dose is still needed. When you look at the trial data, what you see is there's a lot of protection in people already after just the one dose, and that may wear off, you know, in a few weeks' time, and that's why we want them to get the second dose. But at a time when a lot of folks are getting sick and dying from this disease, the idea is to get it into as many different people as we can. The National Advisory Committee on Immunization also tackled the question of reserving doses in new recommendations released Wednesday. It looked at all kinds of related ethical questions and determined each province should make its own decision based on its own analysis and context, including considering any unintended consequences that could happen if a second dose is delayed. Robin? 
As solidarity in B.C. grows for farmers in India, a hunger strike is underway ahead of two weekend car rallies. Nitu Garcha has more on the local campaign and what it will take to end the standoff between the Indian government and farmers who say their livelihoods are threatened by new legislation. Merry, Merry Christmas. From songs to sweets. And a happy new year. These BC respiratory therapists are in the holiday spirit, but for Jayinder Singh, it's not just their first-hand look at the devastation of the pandemic that's clouding the season. It's also a movement half a world away. This issue is on my mind day and night. I even wake up at night thinking about what's going on in India. Millions of people on the streets sleeping in the cold and that they're not being hurt. So he's taking part in a voluntary hunger strike that's underway as thousands of British Columbians supporting farmers in India continue their daily shows of solidarity over the holidays. I want people to remember where their food actually came from when they're serving their food and they're enjoying their meal. Communities are coming together in India to feed the farmers who've been sleeping outside along national highways for nearly a month. They want the new farm laws repealed and the government procurement of produce at a minimum support price to be made a legal right. I come from a long lineage of farmers as well, um, going back to Ukraine and Canada. So it's it hits home for me. Hunger strike participant Erica Hofgard, who was traveling in India just before the pandemic hit, says the holiday meals we all enjoy only underscore the importance of this movement. It's, it's just painful to see what they're going through. We're home, we're here, we're comfortable, we're warm. It's those basic comforts these farmers continue to sacrifice in their fight against the laws the government insists will benefit farmers. And despite several rounds of talks, the standoff continues. There hasn't been a lot of attention to how those talks been conducted. It's that negotiation process, one both sides can trust, even if they don't trust each other, that global conflict resolution experts say could be the key to ending the world's largest protest. Whether the government is directly involved in that process in the farmers' unions or they could establish a process that was uh, independent of them uh, to provide advice to them. With India's Supreme Court offering this week to set up a mediation panel, there is some hope, but farmers' unions remain ready for the long haul. And so too do supporters thousands of miles away. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Coming up next, the rarest drug in the world. Those are very early results, but very exciting ones. The made in BC cancer treatment that's being called a game changer. And Dr. Anthony Fauci celebrates his 80th birthday today. Those stories as the news hour continues. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Got a new crash in Burnaby, Low Heat Highway eastbound. Before, I think this is Beta Avenue. Traffic only getting by on the right side, the bike lane there. Westbound, not a problem. Looks pretty clear. Kermac Collision and Autoglass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage, and Kermac donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermac Cares for Kids. In the Global One above Low Heat, I'm Tim Main. Like our Dr. Bonnie Henry and Teresa Tam, he has been the voice of science and reason during the pandemic. So it's no surprise that one of the world's leading infectious disease specialists was treated to a very special surprise just in time for his birthday. Oh. 
Dr. Anthony Fauci leaving his office last night. First responders serenaded the good doctor ahead of his 80th birthday, which is today. How nice. In Health Matters tonight, the Triumph Project at UBC has produced a rare cancer drug that previously relied on nuclear waste. It's a major breakthrough that could make a real difference. Jordan Armstrong now on how this all came about. Let's start with an explanation of the drug researchers are so excited about. Five years ago, a German man riddled with cancerous tumors and weeks away from death was given an untested drug which contained a radioactive isotope called actinium-225. Eight months later, the tumors had disappeared. We're seeing um, cancer basically be eliminated in some cases. And so those are very early results, but very exciting ones. Problem is, actinium-225 is incredibly rare. Today, most of the global supply comes from American radioactive waste, but it's barely enough to treat a handful of patients a year. This is where Triumph comes in. Researchers at the UBC facility have found a way to make it in the lab using this. Triumph's high-energy cyclotron. Here's how it works. The cyclotron um, speeds up uh, protons uh, to three-quarters of the speed of light using electromagnets, um, and so it basically shoots it down a beamline. It basically blasts it apart and creates um, hundreds and hundreds of different isotopes, and one of them is actinium-225. Which is nicknamed the rarest drug on Earth. But Triumph's CEO hopes to change that. Because we have this incredible cyclotron at Triumph, we have the capability, so the theoretical capability that we can scale up to produce uh, many, many thousands of doses. A BC cancer researcher says this could open the door to a whole new line of treatment. It's very hard to develop resistance with actinium. Uh, so we anticipate that this will be an effective uh, third, fourth line of treatment in addition to the other treatments that are available. So what's next? Step one, establish a supply chain. Step two, BC clinical trials, hopefully in the next 18 months. Cancer research, uh, we're seeing a lot of progress. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, wanting to send a man to the moon, you know, how, or a woman to the moon, you know how to get there. Uh, you just need sufficient resources to develop the infrastructure. A 2020 homegrown triumph for nuclear medicine. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Coming up next, we're going to check in on where Santa is right now. Plus, no hockey yet, but that's not stopping Finn. What the Canucks mascot did to bring holiday cheer to some deserving kids and their families. And what leaving your car like this could cost you as the news hour continues. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Canucks mascot Finn makes a very special delivery this Christmas Eve. We're going to have that for you right after Cash's forecast. But first, police are reminding us, don't be this person. That's the message from Surrey RCMP after they encountered this snow-clearing fail yesterday. So much snow, the driver could only see out of a small circle in the windshield. Across the water, Central Saanich Police stopped an SUV at a gas station. A foot and a half of snow on top of the vehicle, and it cost the driver $173. Police say uncleared snow is not only a hazard, but also subject to insecure load fines. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cash is here with a forecast. Uh, sadly for some, the, the South Coast is going to be wet rather than white this Christmas. Yeah. But I, I have a funny feeling that Santa's not going to mind too much. 
That's right. I first bring you this festive view from our wall center tower cam of the uh, Harbor House. Harbor Center, rather, uh, looking very festive. But let's check in on Santa Claus. Where is he now? We've been tracking him all day. He kicked things off in Russia this morning. Uh, we saw him stop in Brazil. He's been in South America for some time. And I'm hearing he's getting very close to Canada. And weather is not going to be impacting his delivery for tonight. Oh, no. We will have mainly cloudy skies, though, so we may not be able to see him up in the skies. But wait, what's that? In your chimney, I have your Christmas Day forecast, 7 degrees for Metro Vancouver, and we are expecting rain. So yeah, as Colleen had mentioned, if you're dreaming of a white Christmas, not so much, but it certainly is in Princeton. Check this out. They really had to bring in the big guns to uh, clear some of the snow. Clay brought me this video. 40 centimeters of snow fell over there, and if you think that's a lot... Look what happened not long ago. So this was between yesterday and today. The Stewart area, depending on where you were, 61 to 70 centimeters of snow fell in that area. All other weather stations, also some pretty impressive amounts. Uh, of course, we had snowfall warnings in effect over there. Not anymore. That's all been dropped, though we still are tracking some flurries over there. And that system that brought us those that dumping of snow is really making its way down the coast. And that's what's going to be bringing us rain tomorrow. It's also bringing us very uh, strong howling winds, winds in excess of 90 kilometers per hour. We've been seeing that already coming in from the southeast over northern parts of Vancouver Island. So that wind warning continues to be in effect. So for your Fridays, this is how it's going to be looking on your Christmas Day. Windy conditions over the north coast, but we're going to be clearing out. So kicking off the day with a few showers, then some sun. You'll see that sunshine also in the central interior, but a little bit more cloud cover across the southern half of the province. And temperatures right around where they should be, minus 2 for Kelowna, minus 2 in Castlegar over here. It is the rain. And temperatures above seasonal. It's going to be a mild one. So here's your long range from Metro Vancouver. Saturday is going to be a little bit more gusty and more rain in store with your bright spot on Monday. Your Centra windows weather window brought to us oh. by Terry. Isn't that beautiful? Gorgeous. Vivid skies over 103 Mile Lake. Thank you, Terry, for bringing us this moment of zen. Yeah. Beautiful sunsets and sunrises yeah, lately. lately. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Thanks so That's much, cool. Kesha. The Vancouver Canucks mascot surprised some fans this Christmas Eve. The Finn Mobile stopped in front of the home in this home in East Vancouver this afternoon. The mascot emerged and quickly summoned the four children who live here for a very special delivery. All the kids received presents from the mascot and the entire family was able to snap a few holiday photos with Finn. Oh, it's so wonderful given uh, all the COVID uh, problems that have uh, been around and yes. Do you miss your hockey? Yes, we do. And we're looking forward to this uh, season coming up and back to uh, normal normality. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. During COVID, Finn is making sure to follow all social distancing guidelines as he spreads Christmas cheer. Isn't that nice? Squires here, along with Kasha. Uh, you know, a lot of people are wishing for hockey this, this Christmas. Mm -hmm. There's one form they can watch. What's that? World Juniors. Oh, yes, there is. Right? And, and, you know, the NHL is going to come back next month. 
We don't know exactly how yet. That's still a bit up in the air. But And, of course, the NFL has been going on. Oh, and tomorrow's plays of the year. Ooh. Don't forget that. No. Uh, so if Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have nightmares, every time the monster chases them when they're sleeping, that monster's wearing a Rams uniform. <laughs> they have a really good active group, run real well, and it starts up front. They'll have to deal with the Rams' defense again, but Seattle thinks they might have some answers for them this time. And how a woman has combined her passion for Christmas trees with the pandemic. This you have to see as the news hour continues. Watching Global News Hour at 6. Canucks mascot Finn makes a very special delivery this Christmas Eve. We're going to have that for you right after Cash's forecast. But first, police are reminding us don't be this person. That's the message from Surrey RCMP after they encountered this snow clearing fail yesterday. So much snow, the driver could only see out of a small circle in the windshield. Across the water, Central Saanich Police stopped an SUV at a gas station. A foot and a half of snow on top of the vehicle, and it cost the driver $173. Police say uncleared snow is not only a hazard, but also subject to insecure load fines. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cash is here with a forecast. Uh, sadly for some, the, the South Coast is going to be wet rather than white this Christmas. Yeah. But I, I have a funny feeling that Santa's not going to mind too much. That's right. I first bring you this festive view from our wall center tower cam of the uh, Harbor House. Harbor Center, rather, uh, looking very festive. But let's check in on Santa Claus. Where is he now? We've been tracking him all day. He kicked things off in Russia this morning. Uh, we saw him stop in Brazil. He's been in South America for some time. And I'm hearing he's getting very close to Canada. And weather is not going to be impacting his delivery for tonight. Oh, no. We will have mainly cloudy skies, though, so we may not be able to see him up in the skies. But wait, what's that? In your chimney, I have your Christmas Day forecast, 7 degrees for Metro Vancouver, and we are expecting rain. So yeah, as Colleen had mentioned, if you're dreaming of a white Christmas, not so much, but it certainly is in Princeton. Check this out. They really had to bring in the big guns to uh, clear some of the snow. Clay brought me this video. 40 centimeters of snow fell over there, and if you think that's a lot... Look what happened not long ago. So this was between yesterday and today. The Stewart area, depending on where you were, 61 to 70 centimeters of snow fell in that area. All other weather stations, also some pretty impressive amounts. Uh, of course, we had snowfall warnings in effect over there. Not anymore. That's all been dropped, though we still are tracking some flurries over there. And that system that brought us those that dumping of snow is really making its way down the coast. And that's what's going to be bringing us rain tomorrow. It's also bringing us very uh, strong howling winds, winds in excess of 90 kilometers per hour. We 
we've been seeing that already coming in from the southeast over northern parts of Vancouver Island. So that wind warning continues to be in effect. So for your Fridays, this is how it's going to be looking on your Christmas Day. Windy conditions over the north coast, but we're going to be clearing out. So kicking off the day with a few showers, then some sun. You'll see that sunshine also in the central interior, but a little bit more cloud cover across the southern half of the province. And temperatures right around where they should be. Minus two for Kelowna, minus two in Castlegar over here. It is the rain and temperatures above seasonal. It's going to be a mild one. So here's your long range from Metro Vancouver. Saturday is going to be a little bit more gusty and more rain in store with your bright spot on Monday. Your Centra windows weather window brought to us oh. by Terry. Isn't that beautiful? Gorgeous. Vivid skies over 103 Mile Lake. Thank you, Terry, for bringing us this moment of zen. Yeah. Beautiful sunsets and sunrises yeah, lately. lately. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Thanks so That's much, great. Kesha. The Vancouver Canucks mascot surprised some fans this Christmas Eve. The Finn Mobile stopped in front of the home in this home in East Vancouver this afternoon. The mascot emerged and quickly summoned the four children who live here for a very special delivery. All the kids received presents from the mascot and the entire family was able to snap a few holiday photos with Finn. Oh, it's so wonderful given uh, all of the COVID uh, problems that have uh, been around and yes. Do you miss your hockey? Yes, we do. And we're looking forward to this uh, season coming up and back to uh, normal normality. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. During COVID, Finn is making sure to follow all social distancing guidelines as he spreads Christmas cheer. Isn't that nice? Squires here, along with Kasha. Uh, you know, a lot of people are wishing for hockey this, this Christmas. Mm -hmm. There's one form they can watch. What's that? World Juniors. Oh, yes, there is. Right? And, and, you know, the NHL is going to come back next month. We don't know exactly how yet. That's still a bit up in the air. But, and, of course, the NFL has been going on. Oh, and tomorrow's plays of the year. Ooh. Don't forget that. No. Uh, so if Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have nightmares... Every time the monster chases them when they're sleeping, that monster's wearing a Rams uniform. <laughs> they have a really good active group, run real well, and it starts up front. They'll have to deal with the Rams' defense again, but Seattle thinks they might have some answers for them this time. And how a woman has combined her passion for Christmas trees with the pandemic. This you have to see as the news hour continues. Getting in the spirit of the season has been tough for many people this year, but a woman in upstate New York clearly didn't have any difficulty. In fact, she used the pandemic as inspiration. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are thy branches and thy toilet paper? 
That's right, toilet paper and more ways to think outside the gift box. Candace Edwards putting final touches on her Netflix binge-watching tree inside her Baldwinsville home, designed and built decades ago to host this extravagant holiday display. This year's tally, 91 trees. I play Christmas music and I just start rolling and the ideas flow and it just, it's so exciting. I'm, you know, I just, I love it. The pandemic put a pause on Candace's usual series of big Christmas parties, but there is renewed gratitude toward frontline health workers, police officers, and firefighters. Also teachers helping kids learn during a tough year. Where do you store everything when it's not Christmas time? I mean, you have a huge basement we don't know about? Yes, yes. Everyone, everyone asked that because they actually, they asked, do I leave the trees up or do I take them down and store them somewhere already made up? But the themes are brand new every year. So I've done thousands of themes over the years. Some are tall and some are small. You can go under the seas and greetings and have a ball. With 91 trees under one roof, even bathrooms are prime for Christmas time. Coca-Cola's polar bears are cozy here, away from the Arctic, hoping for peace and joy around the world. This tree says hola, bonjour, and ciao. Will there be more in 2021? A couple of my friends called and they said, wow, you're really slacking this year. You usually hit 100. <laughs> so I guess I'll probably go back to try to hit 100 for next year again. Even in 2020, tis the season. In Baldwinsville, I'm Farah Jandrin. Um, wow. Who has that much time? <laughs> I, I, I barely got my mantle decorated this year. That's wild. I don't even have a tree, and now I feel bad about no, it. No, you should feel oh, bad. Oh, Squire. Come just on. invite her over next year. There's just me. I look out the window, and I enjoy other people's trees Lovely. in the other windows. Good enough. I yeah. see that's good enough. Okay, Kesha, last look at weather. Well, uh, for tonight, we've got mainly cloudy skies, so we may not see Santa, but we do have rain in store for tomorrow. Oh, but Santa will see us. All right. Thanks, <laughs> yes. Kesha. That's the news hour for this Christmas Eve. Thanks for joining us. And from all of us here at Global BC, Merry Christmas.